Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Sometimes you got to be your own hype woman, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into another episode of Equal Play. This week, our guest is ESPN analyst and reporter, radio and television host, co-founder of The Shy Side and former college hooper, Brooke Weisbrod. I'm so excited for all of you to hear that conversation and all the gems she drops. But first, I'm here to hit you with some headlines. Up first, four-time WNBA champion Sue Bird made a few headlines this week after an interview with CNN where she said, and I'm paraphrasing here, U.S. women's soccer players are better supported by fans because of the perception as cute little white girls. Her full quote reads, to be blunt, it's the demographic of who's playing. Women's soccer players are generally cute little white girls while WNBA players were all shapes and sizes. A lot of black, gay, tall women. There's maybe an intimidation factor and people are quick to judge it and put it down. She goes on to make the point that society and the outside world is willing to accept the cute girl next door and less willing or completely unwilling to accept gay women, black women, women who don't fit the mold. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, so feel free to hit me on Twitter, but I will say this. Sue Bird doesn't play on the court or off, and she makes an excellent and valid point. You can read more about this story at chicagosuntimes.com slash sports. goes into much more detail on our page. Continuing on the topic of women's soccer, though, the NWSL Fall Series wrapped and the league announced the Portland Thorns were the winners of the 2020 Verizon Community Shield. The Houston Dash finished second, and the Washington Spirit earned third. Verizon will provide grants to these three winning teams, community partners that they were playing for during the NWSL Fall Series. The Thorns outscored their opponents 10-3 to in four games, helping secure first place and the $25,000 grant made possible by Verizon the Thorns chose to play for Mimi's Fresh Tees, a Portland-based t-shirt company that amplifies tough social justice conversations and allows people to wear their truth. Continuing our soccer conversation here, you can sense a trend. <laughs> the U.S. Women's National Team began their 10-day camp this week in Commerce City, Colorado. There was only one adjustment made to the camp roster, and that was Casey Short being ruled out after a hip injury. There wasn't much um, elaborated on that, but 
Casey Short did not join the team in Commerce City, Colorado. The camp instead is being conducted with 26 players instead of 27. And the Red Stars now have five players participating instead of the original six. You can read more about camp and the Red Stars participating, including Kalia Watts and Sarah Gordon at the chicagosuntimes.com slash sports and head to our soccer slash Red Stars section. We have a few stories on camp and also expansion draft. Lots of details on that and what actually goes into making an expansion draft possible and how that affects the league. All right, now that we have our headlines out of the way, let's get to my interview with broadcast journalist Brooke Weisbrod. Brooke, so thankful that you could come on this week. Annie, you said my last name right. That's what (laughs) you have. You have the... (laughs) You have the correct phonetic spelling in your Instagram bio still, right? Yes. Weiss like ice, road like road. And I mean, on the daily, people could look at that and still mess it up. But, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I respect it because as a fellow female with like a funky last name, people are constantly messing up my last name. So I definitely made it a priority to get the last name right. And also, I mean, our friendship, it's like friends should just get their last names right. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like a basic consideration. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Brooke, for joining our second episode of Equal Play. I'm so thrilled that you could come on, not only because you're such a powerful female voice in sports, but also because your journey in sports hasn't been the most typical, you could say. So I want to start there. You chose a career or chose to jettison yourself from your former career in sport or in sales for the the desire to follow your passion in sports and it wasn't the easiest decision and it obviously wasn't the easiest journey so with all that being said give us some details on how you really made that decision to quit your former life and embrace this new journey Well, I I would love to say that I made the decision and I did partly, but really the reality is I was laid off of my sales job Mm -hmm. and it, you know, kind of wishful thinking because it was in a pretty toxic environment and I didn't want to leave the comfort and security of a salary and, you know, getting a cell phone allowance and a car allowance because like those are, you know, those are pretty nice things. And I remember feeling like numb because I had lost the passion for what I was doing. And I was like, man, I just really feel like broadcasting is, is my calling. And the whole reason I got into broadcasting was because I had gotten injured um, right before I was about to go play professionally. So, you know, my, my professional career lasted a, a few months and then I moved to Chicago and, and I was trying to balance like, okay, do I want to be in corporate life or do I want to, you know, risk it and and get into broadcasting? And it was like the only paths that existed at that time were go into a small market and work your way up. Mm. Um, Being in Chicago, not being from Chicago, it was a hard, it was a hard market to break into because it's one, as you know, that like they want to embrace people who grew up here. Right. And so it was like, okay, I can't break in that way. I don't want to leave the city because I love it so much and go to right. a small town and do like, you know, local news. So I kept my, I kept my, uh, my career life going with advertising. And then I got into sales. Um, 
while I was like calling some games on the weekends and, you know, a couple during the course of a weeknight or whatever. Um, but luckily I say luckily because I would never have quit my sales job, but it quit me. Thank God. And I found myself in 2012, you know, out of a six year relationship looking at, okay, what's next. And I thought, well, I'm just going to take the leap and I really want to do broadcasting full time. Like that's what I feel like my passion is. So, okay. I mean, I just, I picked up the phone and started calling every network I could, every friend I had, any contact I ever had just to say like, you know, Hey, can you look at my tape? Can you make a recommendation for me? Can we have coffee? And you know, there's a, there's a fine line between, um, you know, desperation and, and just being, you know, hungry. What's yeah. You know, just being hungry and persistent. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's where I tried to be and, and just tried to do the things that were suggested to me about, about how to get better, which was like, you know, get a stronger voice. So I took, um, voice classes in, in acting school here in the city. And I took improv classes from second city. And I went to the, to the mat counter at water tower place to learn how to do makeup. Cause I'd never really liked yeah. taught myself that, you know, right. I didn't know. So it was little things like that. And, and just tried to stay in front of people as much as I could. And eventually all of those freelance opportunities were enough where I could put together like a decent reel and, yeah. and finally, you know, be seen as a, a valuable enough asset to get signed full time. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think 2016. Um, so the journey started in broadcasting in 2004 and, you know, we're still going strong, thank God. Um, but you know, it's just for people to get perspective, like it really does not happen overnight. No, no. And I think that's kind of like a confusing concept for, for younger journalists coming up in the business or younger aspiring broadcast journalists. Um, because there are certain examples of women and men who, who are, you know, out of the ordinary or, or not typical where their career did pop up overnight or, or they had some, some, something in the universe clicked for them where they did jump from this to that, to this, to that very quickly. But the reality is that is not the, the typical journey. And so we need to be conversating and celebrating the long run more so that younger journalists can get that perspective. So with all of that being said and everything you just shared, how did you keep yourself focused, keep yourself high, keep yourself, um, your spirits lifted during some of those challenges of, you know, hearing the no's and hearing that this opportunity went to someone else, seeing an opportunity go to someone else? How did you keep yourself on track and inspired to, to keep going? Yeah, I, I wish I could say that there there was all this time of, you know, staying staying positive and, and you know, going after the next opportunity. Um, I mean, being in sales, I was like used to being told no a lot. Um, so there was there was that ability to have thick skin, I guess, because of that. Um, and there were a lot of times where I I was about to give up. Um, and I can tell you a specific example. There was a night in, uh, gosh, I mean, I, I think it was about 2008 or nine. I was calling a game at Illinois and it was, it was right about this time. It was like early November. 
and Illinois was playing St. Francis Academy, I believe. So, you know, I, it wasn't like a highly viewed game or anything like that. I was having issues in, in like life. And I was just thinking like, okay, I just don't feel like this is, I'm going to make it. Like, I just don't think I'm good enough. And that night, for whatever reason, um, there, there was someone who actually, he, he found a dead spin. His name is Will Leach. Um, I don't know if you, you probably know that name. Now he does yeah. sports on earth. And he's a big Illinois fan and, and a graduate. He was watching the game. He made a comment on Twitter, uh, like a very complimentary, you know, thing to say of like, oh, who is this person? She's doing a great job. And this really hasn't happened much since then. But I'll tell you, like 10 or 15 people also chimed in. And, and if that night, I mean, I, it was such a, such a sign because I was literally thinking like this, I can't do this because I'm not good at it. And just getting those words of encouragement literally changed my whole view and perspective that, okay, I can do this. I am decent at it. I have put in the time, um, not only, you know, on the air, but like in my life, like I, I know the game of basketball, you know, I played at a professional level. So I, I really do know what I'm talking about. I just have to get out of my own head. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people just in life, like we mess ourselves up because we're in our own head. Whereas like nobody else is thinking as negative as we're thinking about ourselves. Right. Completely true. Completely true. And I also think the factor of like um, birthing this job, you know, out of what seems to be thin air, you know, you start with nothing and even something as, as simple as creating a reel can get you so in your head of like, wait, I don't have all of this stuff. I need to, I need a professional to do my reel. I need more clips. I need more this. I need more that. But the bottom line is you just start and you don't stop. And then slowly, but surely you build and build and build and build. And whether that's, you know, clips for your reel or connections in the business, the, the, the bottom line is you just start. And, um, I think that's sometimes the hardest thing for young journalists is just, um, yeah, getting discouraged before they even start. Backtracking a little bit, you played professional basketball in Europe for a brief moment. I know you had goals of of making that last longer, but how did that transition from athlete to quote unquote civilian go for you? And how did you have to build your mind up to, to transition to this new phase of life? That was another, you know, I'd say like kind of dark period. I, I don't mean for this interview to, to be that way. I just want to be real because you know, I, by nature, I'm usually a pretty positive person. And when things don't, don't work out or you're, you're going through a transition period, like change is ugly, change is uncomfortable. It's, it's awful. And so, you know, nobody wants, I, I don't like to show people those moments, mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe that's something that, you know, I, sh- I should change to show people that, that it's, it's, you know, it's just so uncomfortable, but those are the moments where you're actually growing is like, if I'm uncomfortable, that probably means I'm doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved to Chicago in, um, in 2002. Um, I played, I played professionally for like five months from 2001 to 2002. And so when I moved here, I just thought like, okay, well, I guess it's time to be a, a quote unquote adult, you know? So that was like, <laughs> what, what that does mean? that even mean? Oh, yeah. But it, I guess for me, like wearing, wearing like, you know, 
what I look back on and cringe, like ugly suits and like, you know, I don't mean, I don't mean to hate on limited and express, but like, I'll never ever even look at those stores again if they even exist, but trauma, there's, like, there's trauma yeah. there. You know, doing paperwork and like feeling like you're having like water cooler conversations at the office. And mm. I felt like I didn't have an identity anymore, um, honestly. And it was like, I, I was, I was depressed. I found myself um, needing help. I went to therapists. I had gotten on uh, antidepressant med medications that I, I hate pills. And so I knew that that wasn't for me, mm-hmm. but at the time that's, that's what I needed to get through. Um, so, so kind of getting out of that, like the thing that the, the spark for me was when I went back down to coastal Carolina, where I went to college, they were doing, uh, it was a homecoming game. So at the time we didn't have football. So it was a, a women's game and then a men's game. I was sitting in the stands. Our, uh, our voice of the Shauna Clears, who now is our athletic director, he was calling the game. Mm-hmm. And he looks, up, he looks up in the stands and he sees me. He's like, oh, you know, come on down here. Let's do an interview in the second half. And I'm thinking like, why do you want to talk to me? I'm not doing anything. So we do a couple minute interview. I tell him what's going on. The interview ends and naturally we just started talking about the game mm-hmm. and, and Annie, I would say this, like the biggest light bulb went off in my head. I was like, Oh my God, I can totally do this. Like yeah. this, is, yeah, this is the path I want to take. Like I don't, I didn't want to coach. I didn't, I didn't know how to be a part of the game, but it was like, okay, I am going to call games. Mm-hmm. So from there, um, you know, you talk about making a reel. So what I did was have, I had my parents come up on a weekend. I reserved, um, I reserved a booth at the ESPN zone, which was around at the time, the restaurant. Love it. Um, right. We did it. We did a makeshift sports center for like 10 minutes. I practiced in my apartment for, for two weeks and, and I really hope that somewhere I have that tape because it's brutal. And, um, <laughs> you know, I wore, I wore an ugly suit and I had real flat hair and I was real stiff and I sent that tape in. And the, the guy that I sent it to ended up being one of my amazing mentors who, who unfortunately passed away not too long ago. And, and I stalked him for like weeks. I'm like, dude, wh- what did you think? And I'm thinking he's going to say it was great. We're going to sign you, blah, blah, blah. He goes, this is like the worst tape I've ever seen. I was like, what's wrong with it? You know, what, what? But if I didn't ask what, you know, why, if I didn't ask that and I just would have taken his word for it, then you and I wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Right. So that's kind of how it all happened. Um, and I, I took his advice and, and just, you know, I, I found ways to improve, to just ask him persistently, can you give me a shot? Can you give me a game? You know, let me try. So he gave me two games in 2004. You know, I didn't, I didn't mess them up too terribly. And, and every year got a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So that's how that was how the path happened. Transitioning here, you know, we talked about highs and lows of the business, but to a lot of people on the outside, working in sports and working in sports broadcasting, sports journalism seems like this, you know, beautiful job. And it is a lot of the time. But there's also a lot of challenges that come with it, like being away from family, the downtime that you have during off seasons, you know, you're used to go, go, go. And then all of a sudden an off season comes and now you're like, have all this free time. So break down a little bit for us, the highs and lows of the business and how you move through those seasons. 
that's a really great question um, because a lot of a lot of what we do is is hurry up and wait and yes. it's so much preparation and it's so much studying and it's traveling uh, you know missed flights delayed flights um, sitting in an airport for 11 hours sometimes just to get like three hours of sleep to wake up and go to a practice and and all of those things to me are worth it because I'm doing what I love to do. And so therefore anything that is like, you know, stressful is really not that bad. Um, yeah. And I can deal with it. And, you know, I just, I want people to hear that because what we do is not glamorous, but what it looks like is glamorous, right? Because there's a moment where like somebody hits a last second shot. I'm rushing the floor with all these students and I'm getting this amazing interview or talking to Zion Williamson or Sabrina Ionescu and like, you, you can't like, I, I'll wait in the airport for four days to be able to do stuff like that. You know, those 30 seconds of time are worth all the hours of preparation that you put in to, to be there. And that's, that's the real perspective is like, that's, there's so much um, underground work that is done that, you know, we don't, you know, I, I don't need to show people like, Oh, look, look how hard I'm grinding or studying or whatever. Like, I mean, if people are curious, like I'll share it, you know, but it's like, I just don't want to, I, I don't want to show off that there's so much other work that, that is to be done. Um, but yeah, there are certainly times where, um, you know, you're, you're tired, you're lonely, you're feeling like, man, like, am I ever going to have a relationship because <laughs> everybody that you've been with is like, yeah, but you're never home. And I'm thinking like, but I am home. You know, I'm home almost, almost seven and a half, eight months a year. Uh -huh. And when, I, when I'm not working, I'm literally 100% home. I'm present. Like I can be with you, you know, I'm trying to start a family of my own. So like, I look at those moments to say, those are, those are okay trade-offs for me. As women in this business, there is a expectation that I've come across a few at a few different points in my career, especially when I was pursuing a career in broadcast journalism and an expectation of, of how you should look, how you should talk, how you should dress, how your makeup should look, how you should wear your hair. You and I have on multiple occasions discussed this expectation and our desire to embrace exactly who we are. Can you explain at different moments in your career when you have been forced to confront that expectation, how you did, and are you thankful that, that you did embrace who you are and continue to embrace who you are? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say the first time was like when I told you, like I, I sent my tape in, right? And and normally, like at this point in my career, you know, I look back and I'm, I'm grateful that he was upfront about that. And he wasn't trying to say like, hey, sex it up. You know, he was saying like, hey, your hair's flat. Your suit is terrible. Like you just, you're not presenting yourself because it is a visual medium, right? right. It is. And that journey from, from this is what I think I'm supposed to wear on camera to I am going to wear what I'm comfortable with and what makes me feel, feel powerful. Um, and, and like I'm professional and that I'm at my best for doing my job. 
that's been a, a really interesting journey. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you that there was, there was a couple years, like when I was about to do sideline football, right? I had this dream all my life of wanting long hair. Always wanted long hair, never had it. I got, I started to grow it out. I got extensions. And, and then I was doing a whole season, my first and only season of sideline football. So I, I'm thinking like, well, what am I, what am I going to wear for 12, 13 games? And I'm looking at, you know, some of the best people in our business, you know, Allison Williams, Holly Rowe, Maria, like, okay, well, what do they wear? You know? And, um, you know, and my best, my best guy friend, Cameron, who was so great in helping me through that uncomfortable process of, um, you know, I'm not comfortable with myself to now I am. Um, he set up a personal shopper appointment with me. We go to Nordstrom's. This woman picked out so much clothes. I tried on clothes for six hours. At Nordstrom's. And can I tell you how many things I bought from her? Nothing. I bought not one piece because her perspective was, you got to have an edge. You got to look different from everybody else. You got to stand out. And I was like, listen, I just want to do my job. Okay. Right. At the time I was like, I just want to blend in and not be the story. I just want to do my job. And like, I'm not a crier, but I cried the whole drive home Ugh. thinking like this, what am I going to do? And, you know, shout out to uh, football sideline reporters because it's not easy to look cute when it's 95 or five degrees. Um, so that was just, that was a really weird year. And, and also Cameron had suggested like lovingly, he's like, Hey, I think like short hair is your look. You should cut your hair. And I'm like, you know, fighting him and doing all these things. Well, obviously finally I, you know, I took that, that leap, cut my hair. Um, also started to rock sneakers with dresses because yes. it was like, I hate heels and I don't want to chase down a coach in high heels. And like, yeah, can we really just hard. acknowledge how challenging it is to race up and down a sideline when you're in six inch heels? Yeah, I, I can't do it. Shout out to the women who can, but that's, right. that's not me. Right, me either. So, I'm in my Converse all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And so, you know, it wasn't like that was that was not necessarily allowed, but I was thinking like, well, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. Mm -hmm. And I think it looks cute and I feel confident and professional in it. And like, I'm, I'm a basketball player. So at the end of the day, like, I feel like I fit in and um, man, that was such a great decision because now like, that's, that's, you know, I guess what I'm known for um, mm. is like the sneaker thing. And like, I'm not, I'm not a, a, a sneaker head by any means, but you know, I definitely appreciate a good shoe, but I just look at it now as um, like, I'm, I'm excited to get dressed for work. And I don't overdo it. Like I've almost narrowed it down to almost like a uniform. So it's not something I really want to think about too often. If mm -hmm. I see a cool piece, I'll, I'll pick it up. Um, and sometimes like I'll wear the same thing a, a, a couple games in a row. And like nobody, if anybody's really paying that much attention to it, like I'm on camera for five seconds. Like right. you don't need the life. Right. And, uh, yeah. And keep it moving. So that's kind of the journey. This year has presented a number of challenges. For you, Brooke, in the broadcasting business, can you explain how COVID-19 affected your routine and how you had to adjust when it did? Sure. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's there isn't one person in, on this planet that hasn't been affected. So, um, yeah, it's just really like a wow factor when you think about it like that. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I was... Uh, 
in the middle of this, well, late in the season, um, you know, it was March. I was going to um, a conference tournament and I landed in Dallas, opened my phone, um, saw a tweet actually from Adam Amin that uh, the American Athletic Conference tournament had been canceled. And so I landed, booked a flight back to Chicago an hour later, and I, you know, I haven't been on a plane since. Um, and unfortunately, there haven't been any basketball games to call since then. So that's, uh, that was a major, major shock. And, you know, usually the off season is pretty quiet, um, but knowing it came because of that and also um, uh, really added more distance to a relationship that I was in at the time and, and no longer am. Right. So like it affected that um, mm-hmm. it affected um, the ability to see my family. It, it affected, uh, you know, my mental health. Um, so all of these things came into play all of a sudden. And it was, you know, it was about, um, staying healthy. It was about checking on your family and, you know, trying to navigate this fear and anger that, that like people don't believe it's real and you're not wearing masks. And it's just like, Oh, like, come on. And you know, <laughs> here we are so many months later and there's still, you know, idiots out there that are, that are still thinking these things and not wearing their masks. Um, so, you know, navigating through that has been just crazy. Um, there's been so many low points and then, you know, moments where you like get a hold of yourself because there's so many people that are suffering. You've got frontline workers that are risking their lives every day. Right. And like, so there's, there's so much perspective that you have to have. And, you know, I'm grateful for, for our friendship, right? Cause we check in with each other and, and those are the really important things. Um, and so it's one of the bright spots has been, um, the shy side program. And we just started, um, our fall, fall classes with, um, with our young journalists. And so we teach them, um, we just started on Sundays. And, and so we're doing like online, uh, media training classes for young kids to, to show them that, Hey, 99% of athletes aren't going to play pro. Mm-hmm. Um, and 99% of high school athletes aren't even going to play college. So, however, there are tons of jobs in sports and, we want to expose you to them and see what excites you and then help you get your career launched. Right. That's a great transition into this next portion of our conversation. You and Cameron Smith, who is uh, another great friend of ours and another great person here in Chicago doing great things, founded Shy Side. How did this come to be? How did you guys come up with this idea and what made it right for right now? So Cameron and I and um, our other partner, Evan Marshall, um, yes. was really, I guess, more of the, um, the igniter um, for, the, for the idea of this. And the idea at first came to us from Evan, which was, hey, we want to we create a platform that celebrates Chicago as being the mecca of culture and basketball. So like shy, meaning sh- um, Chicago hoops intersecting. And you know, out of that came the idea from Cameron and I to do media training for kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, we were able to connect with, um, with some brands. Um, Nike was our, was kind of our sponsor last year, not kind of, but they were our sponsor last year. And what we were able to do was, um, uh, create an Instagram account that, uh, gave us the visuals and, and, and allowed us to have the creative, you know, the photo shoots and do shoot some, some videos that do celebrate Chicago in that light. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but what was really great about it was like, we'd meet on Sundays with the kids and our youngest was eight years old and he ended up being one of the best journalists that we had, just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, eight to 18. And we taught them things like how to introduce yourself, how to look people in the eye, smile, how to, um, how to interview. And, um, we went over courses, you know, five weeks of courses. And then in the sixth week, we had them do post-game interviews at the Chicago Elite Classic. And so to have, you know, some of our best high school athletes sit down and see kids their own age or younger, Uh ask them, you know, serious questions and ask them open-ended questions, man, it felt, it felt so good to, to see the results of, of really giving these kids the confidence to like, feel like they belonged in that room because we're sitting next to, you know, Chicago Sun-Times journalists, Tribune journalists, and here these kids are asking like really real questions. Right. Um, yeah. And so it, you know, it's like, all right, so we're, you know, hopefully inspiring uh, another great group of journalists. And from that, like we've had um, some of our best kids um, are now, you know, team photographers or team social media uh, people for their, for their clubs or their AAU teams or at their school. So like, we're, we are inspiring young journalists and photographers to know that there's a whole other side of sports and a, and a career that you can have. Because um, mm-hmm. you know this. I mean, one day you're going to stop playing. So if you love sports, there are jobs that are out there and we're just trying to expose them to what they are and how they can get started doing them. Absolutely. And I think that was one of the most beautiful things I saw from the shy side firsthand, the confidence to sit amongst the professionals and ask those questions. And that goes so far, so far beyond maybe even just a career in journalism. Confidence does so much for cultivating dreams. And that was something so beautiful to see firsthand. This 2020 college basketball season There are so many questions surrounding this 2020 college basketball season. For you, what are you expecting? Do you have expectations for this 2020 basketball season? I don't. Um, And I, I think that's the healthiest way to, to, to do it because I don't want to be, I don't want to be let down and I want to be respectful of what is really going on, which is we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, normally at this time, I have been to a college basketball seminar on the ESPN campus, um, talked about my schedule, talked to my producer, um, you know, maybe been to a couple practices and there's like this incredible anticipation for the season because I know that they have started practices. Um, But I actually read something um, that Kara Lawson said the other day, who's the new head coach at Duke and and it, it helped calm me down as she said, you know, literally I take one day at a time. I don't look, you know, today's, today's Tuesday. I don't look at Wednesday. I look at what is on our practice schedule for today. How can I make the most impact with my players and the messaging that I want to get across to my team today? Because there's no, she, she's out of control of it. I'm out of control. You're out of control. We don't, we don't know. Um, and the only thing that I want is the same thing as when I want when I'm calling these games, which is like people leave healthy, you know, there's no injuries. Um, and it's a close game. What I'm reading is that I think conferences are trying to schedule games that might be, you know, if someone takes a road trip, they might play like uh, back to back, might mm-hmm. play the same team twice, you know, to try to fit in 
a couple games at a time um, or create create some mini bubbles. Um, my feeling is I'll probably be calling games from home, which is fine. I, I just, I can't wait to work. So <laughs> whatever situation happens that, that I can work, I'm, I'm super excited to. Um, and if it calls to, uh, you know, to go to the bubble, like I, I'm ready, I'm ready to do whatever is I'm asked to do. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't have expectations because I know that there are so many people um, really hard at work right now, trying to create a safe environment for these kids to play in. And I mean, God bless them for all the work they're doing and the kids for going to practice, not knowing if they're going to have a season. Right. Um, I can't, I cannot imagine being a college kid right now, a college athlete, like not having any idea about my season. Right. Right. I mean, we've talked about it throughout this entire interview perspective is the most important thing right now, because as low as you may feel at a moment or as uncertain as you may feel at a moment, there are thousands, millions of people who are are experiencing tougher, who are going through tougher. And we as humans need to remember that to support the people next to us and to love on the people next to us and to uplift the people next to us because we're all we got. Yep. You know, Um, we are exactly two weeks away from the election. I've been asking all of our guests what their voting plan is just because I want to encourage all of our listeners to get out and vote. So Brooke, what is your plan for voting? Are you voting by mail? Are you planning on going in person? Have you already voted? Give us, give us a breakdown. Yeah, um, so I am going to actually drop off my ballot today. Uh, I'm doing it by, by mail. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, and I had a great friend who helped share some research um, at, the, at the local level. So, you know, it's not just about voting for president. Um, voting for your local judges is incredibly important because they oh, have important. so much power. And, and if, if there's judges with a, you know, a really racist history, um, discriminatory history, like you need to know that. And those are the people that can decide the fate of friends of yours that get tickets or get arrested for false, false reasons or whatever that, um, you know, you want them in front of a judge who's literally a judge, you know, not Mm -hmm. somebody who has a bigger agenda. Um, so yeah, I will actually be dropping off my, my ballot today. And, uh, my plan for election day is, um, I'm holding a, a basketball clinic, um, so that parents knowing how long the lines have been, Mm. Um, seeing the news. Um, so parents who need that extra time and they will, um, they can drop their kids off and, uh, we'll, we'll be playing basketball from, you know, three o'clock to seven o'clock after school. And, um, you know, that's, you can just go to, um, go to skillsandscore.com slash sign up, um, to, to, uh, go ahead and do that. And, um, yeah. And, you know, I just want to help out, give some people some time and give them that, that, freedom of knowing, Hey, I'm going to be in this line for two and three hours, but my kids are taken care of. They're going to get fed. Like we're good. Right. So for those of you listening, you can go to skillsandscore.com for more information on this camp. Um, so that you, if you're a parent, if you're a sibling and you're babysitting your siblings, you could drop the kids off. Where is this camp going to be at? It's going to be at the Gary Comer youth center. Okay. Uh, the south side of Chicago, and uh, we will also have uh, meals provided. So kids, um, you know, we've had kids young as eight sign up, and I think the oldest so far is 16. Um, so we, 
masks are are required the entire time and we're not going to be playing you know it's not going to be like one-on-one three-on-three no five-on-five nothing like that uh we're going to be doing like drills and skills um and some games got it got it perfect way for parents for anybody with some younger kids kids at all um that they need to get rid of for a minute so that they could go out and vote my final question for you brooke and i i plan to ask all of my guests this what are your hopes for the next generation of women in sports? Mm, what a great question, man. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. Um, my, my hopes are that we ask for, stop asking for permission for anything. Um, young, young boys, uh, young men, male journalists, male broadcasters have a, you know, they just do it. Mm-hmm. And, we can do it too. And I want to see more representation, um, you know, from black women in the industry, especially in, in hiring practices, um, women in, in hiring practices. You know, I think that there's so much room for growth in that. Um, so those are the things I want to see, you know, not just necessarily like, hey, I want to be a sideline reporter. How do I do that? It's like, cool. And think bigger. Uh, I want, I want to hear, I want to be a GM. I want to be a team owner. I want to be a GM. Um, I want to be a network executive. Those are the things that I want to see and hope and be so that, you know, we're, you and I have an easier time than the generation before us. Not that it's easy, but we have an easier time. So like our job is to create that space and, you know, go through those uncomfortable moments. So like, you know, now the next generation never has to worry about wearing sneakers on the air. Like now it's cool. Right. right. But before you don't know if you're going to get fired because you have sneakers on, like, I don't care. Right. You know, I, I want to challenge that. So, so that now maybe you see somebody with like tattoos on or nose piercings or whatever. Like I want to see more gay representation on the air that it's like just a, you know, a very comfortable known thing. Like it's not a big deal. Um, so there's, you know, there's small steps at a time, but I think we're making awesome progress. Um, and I also want to see a women's only sports network. Ooh, yes. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen listening, you can follow Brooke at Brooke Weisbrode um, on Twitter and Instagram. That's your handle. And man, these gems you dropped today. I'm so appreciative that you could come on, that you could share some insight with our listeners, aspiring journalists, and just people who, who need to understand a little bit more what goes into being a broadcaster, being a female broadcaster in this business. Brooke, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you and I appreciate all of the insight, gems, energy that you provided to Equal Play today.